When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Friday, happy Memorial Day weekend. I hope everyone is off somewhere or about to go somewhere and enjoy this great holiday weekend as we kick off the summer. Uh, and welcome here to another edition of Husker Online Headlines. Sean Callahan, Steve Sippel working here on this holiday Friday as uh, we bring you the headlines of the week around Husker Nation. And uh, we got a great show on tap. And I want to start, Sip. Yes. Right away. Headline number one, um, we are less than a week away from Nebraska's uh, remaining newcomers arriving on campus. Uh, they'll move in to on campus or a lot of them will May 31st. Uh, so who know better to bring in and, and talk about the transition from high school to now Nebraska uh, than one of the highest ranked recruits here in the Husker 2023 recruiting class. Wide receiver Malachi Coleman joining us here on Husker Online Headlines. Uh, Malachi, first of all, thank you and uh, congratulations. I saw you had your graduation um, party uh, ceremony. I'm sure it's been a, a fun week for you as you kind of put uh, a close on your time at Lincoln East. Yeah, it was crazy, you know, but um, had to finish out high school strong, stay on top of grades, may honor them, and just looking forward to flipping into the next chapter. What did you really gain? I mean, when you, when you think about just the last two years of playing football and the development you've had, um, just think how much you – just talk about how much you've improved and gotten better as you now get ready to make this step at Nebraska. I mean, honestly, learning receiver has kind of been uh, my biggest challenge. I was more seen as like a defensive end type person coming into like high school type stuff because up until then I mainly played safety and then moved down to the line. But um, – just developing and learning every single day, absorbing as much information I can, especially like going to the All-American game and learning from them and the Polynesian book. Just those two weeks alone, like I learned so much more than I learned in all of high school combined because I'm like, I'm going against the best. And well, when you get challenged, you got to step up. And that's kind of my idea. It's like, if you're going to step up, I'm going to step up because I'm, I'm competitive in that way. Like, I'm not going to lose. I don't care what it is. So right now, Malachi, you are in the process of catching – 20,000 passes before before the start of preseason camp which would be August 1st. How does that what how does that process go? I mean what what are you trying to get done on a daily basis in that situation? So coach Wilder said to the receivers he's not going to take you to camp if you do not have 10,000 catches. So I obviously I'm not the person that's going to settle for average. I'm going to I'm going to double it and at this point um, 714 per day for about two weeks will get me a 10,000. And then I do that for two more weeks, that's 20,000. So I'll, I'm probably going to go over 20,000, but I want to set the standard and let these guys know that I'm work ethic's never going to be my problem. Like, I'm going to outwork you. Period. Okay. Done. Malachi, uh, you had the injury during track season um, early in March that, that, that took you out. I mean, how, how hard was that to go through mentally? I know that was one of the big reasons why you you came back for the second semester was you wanted to make a run at that 100 meter and 200 meter and, and 
even the relay team uh, with Lincoln East because you had some outstanding runners on that team with you. Uh, how tough was the spring for you, and, and how did you um, kind of turn the page on that and, and, and stay, stay um, mentally motivated not being able to be out there on the track? Um, it was it was probably very one of the hardest things I've done was having a shut down track. But I, I sat down, had a conversation with coaches, and I, that's how I'm turning my attention to you. I'm locking in on you. Like football is what I want to do. It's what I want to be the best at. So from there, it was just getting me back healthy. I've been healthy for about a month and a half now, or about yeah, about a month and a half, and been doing workouts and stuff. And it's just stacking, stacking, stacking to the point where I'm. I'm gonna be coming into the fall where I'm gonna be one of the people competing for a spot. But um, having that conversation and having to go to every meet and watch my teammates and yeah, it's look. I hate watching. I hate watching with a passion because I'm, I'm I'm competitive. I want to be out on the field. I want to be out on the track. I always want to be competing. So watching Jack and Jalen and all of them go out there and that on these times, I'm like, you know what? I should be out there killing it. It's it was a hard thing to do. Malachi, you watched. Um... You watched all fifteen, all fifteen practices, which is r remarkable to me. You you didn't you didn't have class start till ten, ten forty a.m. at Lincoln East this spring. What were some of the impressions that you took away from those fifteen practices? What sort of things were you looking for, and how beneficial was that? Um, I wanted to see how the coaches operate. I wanted to see how they teach, and I wanted to see how they coach. Um, each of those things are different to me. I want to see for operating. I want to see how they structure practices, how detailed they are with everything, how they teach, and uh, for how they teach. I want to see how technical they get with details to each route, with the details to each blocking assignment, and how they coach, is how they approach things with it, with the, when they're trying to teach. And once I get that, I can get a feel, and I realize that mentally is where I'm going to have to be um, ahead of everybody if I want to be able to get time on the field. Um, that's going to be the biggest jump because if you ain't there mentally, you ain't fast mentally, then you aren't going to be on the field, period. Malachi, um, speak on Garrett McGuire, yes. um, you, your new wide receivers coach, because you've now been able to watch him, be around him, um, talk to him a lot more as you make this transition. What are your first impressions of your new position coach? He is the most detailed person I've ever met. He goes through every single pass play and he details every single person throughout. He gives you notes. He tells you what you could do better, what you did good. Um, he's an amazing person. He shows up when I need him. I can call him up anytime. He's going to be there for me. I can ask him any question. Like he's just all around the person that you can need him to be. And you don't get that very many places. So to have him here, I'm very, very blessed to have him. What's your? What are you thinking going into your freshman year as far as playing time? I mean, do you? How, what is your approach mentally on that? On that part? Nothing's going to be handed to you. So if I work hard and I work them, then I'm going to have the spot. And if I'm not, then simply it's not. Nah, it's, you got to be good enough. And I ain't no favorites in this game. It's just going to be if you're good enough or not. What up? You've you've had a chance to watch Jeff Sims, yeah. um, Nebraska's quarterback. You've watched all of Nebraska's quarterbacks obviously the last two years. What, what do you think of Jeff Sims after getting to see him all spring? I don't think we've had a, a physical freak like that quarterback in a long time. <laughs> um, seeing him back there, he's kind of special. He's a good dude. He's funny. He's smart. I love him. I love talking with him. He's yeah, I'm excited to have him. You said um, Sims is a mentor. and I saw another article where you said Jeff Sims is a mentor and Billy Kemp fits that category. Why those two? You know, those two specifically, um, especially with meetings and stuff, uh, 
obviously it was a lot to take in coming from high school to college ball. They helped me shop it up and um, to pieces and hustle some learn. Casey Thompson did that with me too, Marcus Washington. But everybody is kind of this. They, they look at me, but they know I'm a freshman, all that, but they have high expectations for me. And I like that. I don't want to let them down. So, you know, if I got to get the playbook down, I'm get the playbook down. If I got to hit this workout, I'm going to hit this workout. Just whatever I need, I can call them up with questions and they're going to help me through. Yeah, you go. Malachi, as we wrap it up with you, um, what is the schedule? So when do you start classes? When do you move? Uh, what's next for the, the newcomers that are joining the program here this next week? Yeah, so I'm moving Sunday at 3, and then um, I start classes on Tuesday. No time off. You go right to school. Hey, I'm okay with that, though. It's part of college life of being an athlete. Well, Malachi, uh, we all really enjoyed watching your career at Lincoln East and, and everything you've done. Um, and now looking forward to seeing you play here at Nebraska. And thank you so much uh, for your time and congratulations on your uh, high school graduation at Lincoln East. Thank you. All right. That was Malachi Coleman. <laughs> thank you, Malachi. Uh, joining us here on Husker Online Headlines. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. Let's move it on now. Headline number two, the Elite 11. And we haven't talked about this a lot for, for Nebraska uh, because they, they haven't had an Elite 11 quarterback in a number of years. I want to say maybe Johnny Stanton might have been the last one they've had. Or was it? Uh, it was O'Brien. Patrick O'Brien. Patrick O'Brien, 2015. In 2015. Anyway, Nebraska's new quarterback commit, Daniel Kalen, was named to the Elite 11 finals this week that will take place later this month in Los Angeles. And who uh, who better to join us and break down that down uh, break that down more than Brian Stump with Student Sports in the Elite 11, a longtime friend. Uh, I've known Brian for now. It's hard to believe Brian 20 years and. Uh, we appreciate you joining us here on Husker Online Headlines and uh, looking forward to talking about the Elite 11. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Happy to happy to join. And it's the it's the time of year where we get really popular and <laughs> signing day for I think a lot of recruiting analysts, you know, is the is the push point. And um, you get these you get these opportunities to come on and talk about kids. And, and for us, it's really, you know, this time of year as we wrap the regional tour and we're heading into the Elite 11 finals. And you you can add one more because Jeff Sims, if you want to count him in the Nebraska uh, elite 11 tally. He was a, he was an elite 11 finalist coming out of high school. Obviously he didn't sign with Nebraska out of high school, uh, but he was in that, that class with CJ Stroud and Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson back in uh, 2019. Let's start right there, Brian. What, what, what impressions did Sims leave on you? Well, if you were telling someone about Jeff Sims, what would you, what would you say? Uh, he was a sponge. Um, he, he had a lot of athletic tools. I think I think the the closest comparison for him in that class honestly was Anthony Richardson. They were both really twitchy, springy, athletic. Um, didn't have a lot of you know quarterback experience as it relates to going to a ton of events. And you know uh, Jeff had a private coach that he started working with there in his in his high school career, but but not a ton of quarterback reps. wasn't all over the seven on seven tournament, but just a 
you know, talk about a, a, a ball of clay that a coach wants to mold. You know, he has all the athletic tools and, and he's also super coachable. So um, I think hopefully the opportunity for him to get in there um, with the staff that Coach Rules put together and, and, you know, really be able to capitalize on all those tools he has because he wants to learn and he wants to be great. And, and that's the, the impression we got from him in high school. You know, wasn't quite as polished yet as some of the other guys like the like the Bryce Youngs in that class and CJ Strouds and guys like that. But but had all the tools and was was willing to work and willing to learn. So, you know, you get, you're around guys like that. They they have they have super high ceilings and, and it's going to be exciting to to watch and see what they can do with him this year uh, out there in Lincoln. Brian, uh, speak more on the history of the Elite 11. Uh, like I mentioned, it's, it's been a while since Nebraska fans have had a reason to tune in to the event and it's changed a little bit. I remember originally it was 11 quarterbacks plus a wild card guy way back and the, the events evolved. that's changed a little bit. Uh, give us kind of an idea of the history of the event and and how it's all set up now. Yeah, sure. This is a this is a big year for us. It's the 25th year of the Elite 11. So it was founded in uh, 1999. And yeah, back back then it was, hey, let's bring the top 11 quarterbacks out for a couple of days in Southern California and really give more coaching and instruction to the most difficult position to play in all of team sports. Um, so it's evolved a little bit from them, but that's still the core. Um, there's there's cool media around it now and it's become a, a, a pretty big deal which is which is great and, and we're humbled by so we want to give more guys the opportunity so we we go out and do regionals each year and canvas the country and 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 work out we probably worked out a little over 500 quarterbacks this year at eight regional events um and then we select select now our top 20 to come out uh, for three days in southern california and work and we'll name we'll name an elite 11 you know at the end of that but but really all these guys are are super talented and we're, we're big fans of that'll get selected for the finals this year. And uh, so there's, there's a little ceremony with naming an 11 and an MVP and things like that. But uh, really the goal is to, to lean in and, and, and pass on as much as we can. And in, in the time we have with those quarterbacks with the great coaching staff and some college counselors and things like that. And, and, you know, truly try to give those guys the, the best chance that they can to, to prepare and hopefully be successful at the, at the next levels. Well, I mean, we have you here, Brian Stump. This is a great opportunity to ask you why Daniel Kalen, why why did he make the list of finalists yeah i think i think when you go back and you you look at his tape from the fall um he he's got uh, an ability and a feel in the pocket he's not a he's not a take off and run athlete even you know as much as uh zane flores who we also had who was a nebraska high school quarterback last year the first you know quarterback from nebraska you know zane maybe profiles as a little more of a an athlete and a dual threat uh kind of guy but but daniel from the pocket um, is, is really, I think, truly one of the top pocket passers in, in the nation this year. And his film showed that um, mm -hmm. he's, he's got a great feel in the pocket. He's not a statue. He can he can move around and, and make those subtle moves. But but he can also deliver the ball, you know, really anywhere on the field. You know, great arm, strong arm, uh, also accurate. Um, so we're excited about his his upside as a as a as a passer at the next level. Think he think he's one of the top in the class when you know it just comes to being able to distribute the ball and, and find open receivers and, and put it on the receivers. Um, and he showed that at the regional we had, um, uh, that was back in Ohio in, in, uh, in late April, I believe <laughs> the dates, the dates blend together a little when we've been on the road for, uh, six weeks in a row, wrapping up the regional tour. Uh, but yeah, I think he, he's a, he's a guy to be excited about and, and he's only going to get better as he, as he gets into college, you know, weight room and strength and conditioning program and, you know, really, really grows into his man muscles, so to speak in the next couple of years here. Brian, um, two you mentioned two quarterbacks from the state of Nebraska making um, the Elite 11 finals here two years in a row. Um, I mean, how far has the development come in places like Nebraska? Because, you know, we've known each other a long time, and I don't recall ever there really being Nebraska quarterbacks on the radar early when we first knew each other. There's kids like Nathan Enderley who, were who was drafted by the Bears, but development 
mentally they were not ready to be at a, a showcase event like what you guys put on every year. Um, I mean, have you seen that in a lot of places? And I mean, for kids now in Nebraska to have some of the same development skills as what, you know, quarterbacks in California and Florida and Texas are getting, um, is, is that kind of the norm now what you're seeing? Yeah, I, th I think over the course of the last five or 10 years, there's maybe been a little more of expansion or proliferation of, of the off season opportunities for, for kids that are devoted to football, you know, whether that's opportunities to play seven on seven, it, that's not just a thing in California and in Florida anymore. You know, there's, there's, there's traveling seven on seven teams from everywhere. And, and you also look at it from the, the quarterback personal trainer standpoint, you know, there are guys now in, in Nebraska and in Kansas and in Missouri that are, you know, offering those, you know, same kind of opportunities for, for quarterbacks and their families. Um, Cause mom and dad have to have to play a part in that and helping, helping them get to and from events like that and things like that. But, but quarterbacks that are motivated to, to learn more about the game and work more on their craft and things like that in the off season. So, yeah, I, I think as, as uh you know, the internet is also, and social media has also brought us closer together, right? So there's there's opportunities and access to, you know, uh, more knowledgeable people and even remote learning sessions and things like that through through social media now too. But yeah, I think as it relates to for athletes that are motivated and driven to be, you know, the, the best they can be, um, you're not limited by geography anymore. And that's a, that's a great thing for the sport. And it's a great thing for, for kids that, yeah, you're, you're spot on. So I'm like 10, 15 years ago, they might've been too far off the grid to, you know, to get out to Southern California, which for a long time was kind of the, 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 the spot for all the, the private quarterback coaching and things like that. And, and, you know, now kids just have so much, you know, better access and there's, there's so much information out there uh, for kids that are motivated to, to increase their skill level and work in the off season. Joined by Brian Stump. He is his official title. Sean is director of operations for student sports, which is the company that founded elite 11. How do you, Brian, I was reading some stuff, and you do work with these kids on off-the-field type things, these quarterbacks. What kind of things are you emphasizing when you talk about off-field off-field elements for that position? Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's, there's a number of ways you can go. There's a number of places we have gone in the past. Um, one of the things that we're, we're most passionate about is um, helping these young men embrace the power of their influence, uh, so to speak. So um, whether they like it or not, they they play a position that 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 you know commands respect for a lot of people in their whether it's their high school, uh, their community. We we do this example every year uh, with the players and their their parents, and we ask the parents to recall who uh, the quarterback was of their high school when they were in high school. And ninety five percent of them, even the moms, know who the quarterback was. And then okay, who was the mayor when you were in high school uh, of your town? And they. They can't they can't pull that. Right. So these kids, these kids really are just coming into the realization of the, the ability that they have to 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 make the world a better place. And and it's a gift um, and it's a curse. And and we just want to try to, you know, open their minds a little bit to the, the opportunities they have to, to change other people's lives, really with simple gestures and, you know, uh, a little bit of their time. They can they can really help refocus things that, you know, um, can get better in their communities, whether it's their locker room at school, their their hallways at the high school. Um, they have the power to, to, to open people's minds to, you know, things that can be better in their communities. And so, um, that's one of the big things we, we really like to lean on. And then, um, we work with a children's camper cancer group, uh, called Nigu, uh, and a, and a young man named Supercade out here, who's, who's been an inspiration to, to so many of our quarterbacks over the years. And, you know, the, the, it's a, it's a life-changing experience for these, these children that are going through tough circumstances to, to meet these quarterbacks and, 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 you know, meet some of their, their idols and guys that are going to go on to play college and pro football. But 
but for our quarterbacks, they draw inspiration from just how courageous these, these young kids are going through their fight against cancer. And um, so it's really a mutually beneficial relationship when we're able to connect them with um, these courageous kids and, and, and they can draw inspiration from both sides. And so, you know, things like that um, are, are really important to us. And, and we, we get to spend, you know, a good 60 to 65 hours with these guys and uh, it can't just be football. Otherwise I think we'd be, we'd be, uh, you know, disingenuous and trying to change their lives for the better in, in, in all aspects of, of, of what they're doing. Brian, you have a star studded list of alumni that have been in your event. Out of curiosity, you know, the data, how, how many Heisen trophy winners, first round draft picks um, have been through your event and are, are any of the, what, what alumni are coming back this year? Do you have any uh, of the alumni that will be a part of the event this year? Yeah, we're working on the college list. Actually, where our dates fell this year is a little bit challenging from the NFL aspect because we're still going to be right when NFL OTAs are, are finishing up. So we're, we're hoping to have a couple guys drop through on that standpoint. Uh, we'll have a good college list that we'll, we'll release in a little bit um, here as we, as we finalize that stuff going in. And then obviously we're working on finalizing the high school list. But yeah, I think we're at... I think uh, 15 of the last 16 quarterbacks that have won a Heisman have, have come through the event in some way, shape or form, you know, and then the last couple of years, obviously a, a nice run with uh, Caleb Williams uh, last year, the Heisman winner, who was the elite 11 MVP in uh, 2021. And, and Bryce Young was, was a uh, Heisman the year before. And he was, he was in the 2019 finals with, with him and CJ competing for the MVP and then competing to be the, the number one pick in the draft this year. So that was a really cool storyline to follow just their relationship in general, and then how they've been so connected through the years and in our event being a small part of that. So, um, you know, that's, that's probably one of the funnest parts of this job is being able to, uh, you know, get off the road in the fall and follow the football season and see all these, these guys as they're, they're going through their first, whether it's their first college start or, you know, uh, leading their team to CFP appearances and things like that. And then obviously Heisman trophy is the, the cherry on top of the Sunday for all these guys that, that dream about playing college football growing up. Right. Brian, one of the things I read about you is you have a photographic memory. Is that true? It, it might be true. That's what my wife says. <laughs> <laughs> does it, does it help you in your role? I think, I think it helps from the standpoint of trying to keep names and, you know, whether it's stats or figures or things like that, you know, organized uh, in some way, shape or form. Uh, I think that's the, Sean, and you can speak to this too, as you go through this and you're in this space for many years, sometimes things can stack on top of each other, right? And you're, you're trying to recall what, what classes kids were in or where they're from or things like that. So I think from that standpoint, when I, I think I have a decent recall, when I see something on paper, I can, I can, I can have a pretty strong uh, recall of it, but, but yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it's helpful. We, we see a lot of kids every year and, and um, if, if you, if you didn't have a, a great, a great, uh, memory or recall, you'd, you'd have to end up watching a lot of tape or <laughs> rewatching and, and re, 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 uh, canvassing your notes and things like that for sure. Brian, it's been great to reconnect and, and have you on. And I just, all the memories, all the year, we, we worked a lot together, you know, helping a lot of Nebraska kids, getting them in those Nike camps years ago when you uh, were running those Nike camps and, and we'd have Nebraska kids that I give you to get in those camps and, uh, it, it was a lot of fun to kind of catch up and looking forward to seeing the elite 11. Is it going to be televised or can people watch the event? Yeah, we're working back on that. Um, there, there will most likely be a post-produced, um, show that'll air that typically is in the, is a, in the fall. Um, so they get time to, to edit and things like that. But, but, uh, we're hopeful that it's going to be, you know, one of the most robust, uh, programming features uh, that we've had in the last couple of years, actually. So, um, when we, when we get that info finalized, we'll, we'll definitely do that. And then I think we'll, We'll, we'll also have some info on whether we're doing live streaming leading up to the event or even just going on our Instagram live on, on the Elite 11 uh, social accounts and things like that. But, yeah, we'll, we'll do our best to, 
to publicize that in the days leading up to the finals event. So uh, hopefully all the, the Husker fans can tune in and, and see how uh, Daniel's doing out there. Brian, they will tune in. So if, if, you, if you get it out there, uh, the Husker fans will, will give you a bump. And there's obviously some Dylan Riola curious curiosity with his connection to the program. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, <laughs> I mean, I, I, real quick, I mean, has he – Will this be one of the first times that he's been on a stage with all the big guns in one one room? Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of these guys, it's the first time that they they come together. You know, there's there's various seven on seven tournaments or things like that, but for the most part, uh, this is the this is the first gathering. And then a couple of them might be in all star games together right at the end of the year and things like that. But but there aren't too many events where uh, they all get to be in the same place, and especially for an extended period of time, they might bump into each other on college visits rights or things like that. Um, but that's usually two or three of them or four of them. Uh, so this is, I think it's one of the, you know, especially if you ask the guys that have come through it, it's probably the the coolest part about the event is that just them being able to, to sit down and start forming relationships. And a lot of these guys will, will play against each other, obviously in college, but um, as they, as they move through their football careers, they have more and more in common with each other and the experiences that they're sharing, whether they're battling for a starting job or thinking about going in the portal, you know, they, they really become great sounding boards for each other. So this is a, this is a great spot for them, a great spot for them to, to start forming them. Some of these relationships that will be really important um, in their football life moving forward. Well, Brian, thanks again. Have a great Memorial day weekend and looking forward to following your event this year. Awesome. Thanks for having me on you guys. All Thank right. You. Thanks again to Brian stump. What a, what a cool job he has. I mean, when you just think about the history of that event and, and let's move on to headline number three as we kind of react to both malachi coleman brian stump our two mm -hmm. guests here on the show mm -hmm. uh today we brought we brought it hot today simple we, we, we had two yeah. guests on memorial day weekend yeah i'll start with malachi um really interested in that answer he gave about what he saw you know his first he was he was at every practice this spring uh, as i as i said on the show he didn't have class at lincoln east till 10 40. So he was there for all 15 practices, which was, and he said he hates watching, hates it with a passion. But that was, I mean, Sean, you know how valuable that was for him to see exactly mental what reps. Yeah. And see exactly what he's getting into. Um, well, he's at a stadium right now. Yeah. He was in, he, he, I think he was, he was in Garrett McGuire's office. I think he was in, yeah, he was in, I think he's, I, I think he, yeah, that was fascinating. So Sean, they report on Tuesday. I mean, May thirty first. Yeah, and then it's then it's on. You know, I mean, you know how it goes. You know how it goes in June. June is almost like official now. It's not technically, but it they ramp it up fast. It's Wait. you can you guys. I the way I always put it is guys can kind of make moves in June if you're if you're looking to move up at the depth chart. You get eight organized hours a week with your team in June. Um, so two of those hours who's, can, who's a coach does. Yeah. The, they call it the care hours. Uh -huh. um, so you get two hours can be skills and drill per week. Okay. Per two hours, two hours of film time per week, and then four hours of weight room time. Okay. Which, you know, that doesn't sound like a lot, but mm. an hour in the weight room is a long time. Yeah. If you do the workout, right. Yeah. So they, that in the conditioning and things. So they will have eight hours uh, of time. With their guys. And, okay, eight hours, though, it's more than eight hours. As yeah, you know. let's face like, it. There's other times before and after that aren't official that mm -hmm. the players do, uh, but there's eight official hours a week they can do. And you're right. I mean, they're, they're going to practice and do, and do reps, and, and the coaches can be involved. In, in, to a certain extent. Then they can do reps on their own, In too. the skills and drills. But, yeah, it's 
you know, it, it's a huge part for these newcomers to find out who's ready to go. Yeah, Malachi, listen, he looks – I thought it was really interesting off the bat how he said, you know, there's a long time he didn't think he'd be a receiver, that he'd be, he'd be a defender. Um, maybe even at the line of scrimmage, you know, as a pass rusher. God, he looked, I mean, he, he looked, looked like he that. looked physical. Yeah. Like now, his upper body looked more developed than I had seen it. Right. He looks, see, I, I'm interested in Malachi because I, you know, Sean, you know this stuff better than I do, but he's got to be a guy at that, the, at, in that conversation about who, who's, who's the two freshmen who are going to play. Malachi's got to be at the, almost at the top of that list, right? Who's going to play immediately? Who's going to make an impact? So, well, and, and Lenhart and, and, and Prince, and Prince, Prince will, Prince will. Um, but yeah, those are the guys. And I, you know, Malachi, a lot of it is mental and how will he adjust to facing off against corners that are, that are frankly older and better than him. And let's face it. Rule wants to play some of these guys right away. Yeah. He's building this up. He wants to develop these guys to get them ready. 2023 is more about, you know, getting some of these guys ready for 24, 25, 26. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, here's the thing about Malachi, too. I'm thinking out loud, but they don't have a ton of field stretchers at that at the wideout position. Um, he could be that. I mean, he runs like that. And he's well, built Betts like that. and Garcia Castaneda can run. For sure. So they've got those guys. Bets, I, I'll, I'll give you bets more. Um, but Washington anyway, and Kemp are more possession like, and I would say Fleeks is kind of an unknown. I don't know what we're going to more get. possession like. I don't know what they're going to get from. He was Fleeks. a running back for a part of his career. Um, Some of those walk-ons are going to probably play at receiver though too. Right. I say that about Malachi because he's Sean. What is he? Is he six four? Six five, six six, six three and a half, six four. Yeah, yeah, one ninety seven, two oh five. You know, one ninety seven, two hundred, two oh five. That speed on the outside is 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 really alluring. It, it's just that's why I think those fifteen practices are so important because he's going to come in, know what to expect. I would think he'll make an impression early. I would think so. All right, let's talk about Brian Stump. Yeah, in yeah. Elite eleven, um, and fascinating, isn't it? I mean, what he gets to do for a living I mean, to to run yeah. these events and camps and. 15 of the last 16 Heisman, Heisman Trophy winner quarterbacks have gone through the Elite 11. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's so – what I take away from the Stump interview is the prestige associated with that event and Daniel Kalen getting a shot to be in that. Now, I like it for Daniel Kalen because Daniel Kalen loves being a quarterback. I mean, he he does embrace that, that, that whole – being a quarterback is a pretty – wide there's a lot of wide-ranging responsibility which i'm glad stump touched on it's you got to embrace the the sort of the prestige of that position and embrace what it means and i i get the feeling from talking to mike huffman his coach at bellevue west that daniel does understand that and now here he is he gets to go compete with the best quarter you know quarterbacks in the country the best high school quarterbacks in the country guys are head, heading to college it's beautiful i'm intrigued i mean just to see him and riola throw together and, <laughs> and i mean i mean just just to see riola on that stage and kind of you know yeah the amount of pressure on some of these guys to win i mean there you go if you're a five-star and don't win the thing and somebody else play but it then you can say well it's a camp it's not a game sean but it's still a competition sean that pressure goes with the position I, i'm glad you said that because, yeah, there is pressure, but there's pressure on that position pretty much every day, right? If you're the number one quarterback at a at a major college, there's sort of, 
I mean, not inordinate pressure on you every day, but there's some inordinate pressure on you on Saturdays. And every day, Sean, he said it. Brian Stump said it. I remember, I, he said, you remember the starting quarterback at your school. Do you remember the mayor at that time? When you were a senior. Right. I remember it was Ron Blank. I was our starting quarterback. Ron Blank. <laughs> I was going to say, I think our mayor. When I, I was, do remember our mayor. I want to say it was Mike Faye. No, Hal Dobb. It was Hal Dobb. I was, well, I know that because I was the producer of his radio show. Yeah, you know that. And I, and I do remember <laughs> our mayor too. Larry Merrick was his name. But, but a little I do, different. Yeah, but I definitely re- Easy now. Merrick was pretty powerful, Sean. Um, Columbus. I am. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, it's you do remember that. You know, you remember you always remember who the quarterback was. And, you know, even with with Nebraska, you when you think about a season, you, you know, you usually think about the quarterback. Who's a quarterback that year? You know? So, yeah, that's I'm glad they teach that to those kids. Yeah, like you can almost name every starting quarterback at Nebraska. I would say if you know this program well from Turner Gill on. Mm hmm. An astute Husker fan. There's a couple in there, yeah, yeah, that would get you, like Dave Sunberg. Yeah, or, that that was before Gill. Oh uh, no, after was he, it? Yeah, he was the year after Gill. Oh God, Sean, I'm sorry. And won the Sugar Bowl. My bad. On and that. then, then Steve Taylor took over. Okay. Then it went to. Um, Don't do this to me, Mickey Joseph. Okay. Jerry Godowski. Yeah. No, was was it Jerry Godowski? Don't it was do this. Jerry Godowski, Mickey Joseph, Mike Grant, Tommy Frazier, Brooke Banger, Scott Frost. Okay. All right, stop right there. You'll Scott one Frost, one. Eric Crouch, Bobby Newcomb, Monte Cristo, okay. Jamal Lord. Okay. Keep going. I'm trying to think. After. As long as you're going now. Um, let's go Joe Daly. Probably. Let's go Zach Taylor. Yeah, he got it. Let's go Sam Keller. Let's go Joe Gans. Yeah. Let's go Zach Lee. Let's go Cody Green. Yeah, you should be able to get it now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm making my way down the trail here. Cody Green. We're at Cody Green. Martinez. We're at Martinez. We're at Tommy Armstrong. Yeah. And then after Tommy Armstrong, who, who replaced Tommy Armstrong? Tanner. Tanner Lee. Tanner Lee for one season. Yeah, Tanner Lee for one season. And then Adrian. And then Adrian Martinez. That's and then right. here we are. Yep. Here we are. That was Good pretty job, freakish. I think you got them all. I'm sure somebody in the comments is going to nail it, but I think I got through. I think who was the quarterback before Turner Gill when they were don't know when they were kind of keeping the seat warm for Gill to win the job. I wish I could say. Then he took over in the Auburn game. Yeah, there's some people shouting right now that simple. How do you not know that? I I can't. I just. I mean, it was 40 years ago. Right. I can't say it off the top of my head. I mean, I mean that's history. That who did he go in for? Who did he take the place of? I just can't say it off the top of my head. Maybe I'll think of it and we'll get back. Our to comments it. will blow up after the show. All right, let's go. Headline number four. Some big news. Oh, yes. Out of the East, our neighbors to the East in Iowa City. Iowa Athletic Director Gary Barta announced his retirement effective immediately. Effective August 1. Which is essentially immediately. Yeah, yeah. August I mean, 1. Um, he took over in 2006. It's very fascinating <laughs> yeah, with everything that's gone on there with off the field things. The situation with Kirk and Brian Ferentz, um, the strength coach issues they dealt with. Um, there's just a number of things there. A lot of politicians were getting involved um, with some of the other issues going on there. But Gary Barda announced his retirement August 1. Yeah. Now, Barda, Gary, is 59 years old. That's so, young. Right. I mean, now think about that. That, that, that. Just that number makes you pause. Like, wait a second. He announces retirement at age 59. 
Um, 59 now is like 49. Right. 10 years, 20 years ago. What you referred to, Sean, politicians, Barda and his athletics department during his, his time, this is recent years, have settled lawsuits related to gender discrimination, racial discrimination, and Title IX for $11 million over the past six years. Now, I'm not, you know, I don't know, I'm not privy to the inside workings of the Iowa Athletic Department, but $11 million in settlements That's in the money. last six <laughs> years, that, that, fact, that has to factor into any discussion. Now, he had... He did great things too. He was the AD there when they won four NCAA wrestling championships. Okay. Their GPA exceeded 3.0 eight years in a row, and they had an 89% graduation rate. But yeah, he was in charge during the time when there were major, not, they're not brush fires, those were forest fires in Iowa. So I don't know. I wonder how that factors into it. And then everybody, everybody's going to wonder how does this affect Kirk, Kirk Ferentz? These were Barta and Kirk Ferentz are the nation's longest serving AD head football coach duo at one school. Now, and before, what, I mean, you had Bob Stoops and Castiglione, they were kind of the same uh -huh. era, the same year, pretty much right around the same time. Yeah. And then Stoops retired. Right. That's right, Sean. So, how, what, how does this affect Kirk Ferentz? It affects him. It does. Exactly how I don't know. Is, is Barta, setting the state but is this new set the stage for maybe kirk ferentz having one last year now he has signed sean for several years um kirk ferentz i think he's signed till 2029 yeah and i, I apologize i didn't look that up but he's got it he's he's got extended for well, several that's years. fairly co every college football coach carries four to five plus carryover years in their contract mm -hmm. that's just the way the business is now sure so it's not like you never say, oh, he only has one or two. You don't ever let a coach's contract get that deep because of recruiting. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, the issue with his son. But, God, I think Iowa's right. going to be pretty good this year. Well, if you ask me right now, and I don't know what those magazines say, you got them in front of you, to pick who's going to win the West. Now, it's wide open. I would. Most people are picking Wisconsin. See, I'd pick Iowa. I would pick Iowa. I would pick Iowa, too. They added Cade McNamara. They added, added them from Michigan. Eric All, they tied in from Michigan. They added receiver, help at receiver, help up front. I like them. In McNamara, let's face it, McNamara is the main reason. The second reason, though, is I love it when a coach's back is against the wall like Brian Ferentz. I think that I don't like it for him. I, I, it's it's a lot of pressure on that guy. But but for a team, that can be really good. When it, when when a coach is back against the wall, I can imagine can how laser focused Brian Ferentz right. probably is. Right, knowing that one hundred, Sean, everybody in Sipple's new thing is one hundred percent. Always says that all the time. But, um, one hundred. I mean, I mean, everybody is. I mean, you've got the tar and feather and the pitchforks out. Everyone's they going after you, and you know he loves. I mean, he got played for Iowa. I mean, he loves Iowa, and and he's become kind of become public enemy number one. Seems like it. Because of they've had some inept quarterback play. Well, they've got a good quarterback now. Yeah, Sean, you, they have, but it's I'm we've said this, we've talked about this before, but it was up front where they really struggled. Their offensive line was, it did not resemble anything like they're used to at Iowa last well, year. Well, and let's remember they finally got a tough schedule last year. They had to play Ohio True. State and Michigan last year, mm -hmm. and Pitt. Did they play Penn State last year too? I don't think so. But they played Ohio. I want to say it was they had they had a tough schedule yeah, last year. I mean, they 
they actually had the legit crossovers that you know they, they always have the schedule where you're like they never get like three tough crossover games yeah i should know i sh- I, I mean i i think they might have played penn state now that you mentioned it Sean. yeah no they definitely played michigan i watched that game anyway iowa sean was not iowa up front and that that's that was the now we'll see what they look like this year they didn't run the Iowa offense. That's what, if you go back and watch the game against Nebraska, I don't, it was, it was like you're watching another program. They weren't running. What so they this is run. why I think they're going to win the West. This is their crossovers. They got at Penn state, Iowa. That's okay. a tough game, but their other crossovers are, are home against Rutgers. And then they have a home game against Michigan state. So they I, should, you're right, they should go two and one in the crossovers. No, they, um, they should. You know, everyone is so – I mean, they went 8-5 and five last year. It's not like they had a crummy year. No. The Nebraska loss really took some steam out of their their deal. They beat Kentucky 21 nothing in the bowl game. Yeah, it did. That helped. That helped. But they have Utah State, Iowa State, Western Michigan in the non-conference. Mm-hmm. Then at Penn State, September okay. 23rd. Um, so, you know, their schedule is manageable. Minnesota is a home game for them. They're at Nebraska, though, and they're at Wisconsin. Still, I mean, you're gonna have you're gonna have some tough games in Big Ten always, but yeah, that is a definitely a, a manageable crossover schedule. Michigan State lost Sean; they lost their quarterback, their starting quarterback, a starting receiver, and a starting corner. People are wondering what's going on. Rutgers is down; they weren't that good anyway. But they're hey, they Sean, they're they're gonna go; they're taking a step back. Yeah, their quarterback play has has uh, dropped off. I mean, that's a game Iowa's gonna be favored by two touchdowns. Anyway, Gary Barta, age fifty nine, report surfaced this morning. He announces his retirement effective August one. That's a that's an AD who took over in two thousand six. Well, I guess he's about forty two years old. He's a young AD. He's young. Yeah. Well, Tom Cakert on our Husker Online breakdown today for Iowa, our post spring review with Tom Cakert of HawkeyeReport.com. He says, "I and I, you look at that schedule, and it's hard to argue him. He thinks Iowa can be a ten and two, nine and three team. Holy crap! Well, they have Penn State, yeah, dog, and then Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa State. I mean, they have." They have games that are are. They're like a lot of teams, Sean. They're like a lot of teams. They could be eight and four to ten and two. I yeah. think Iowa at minimum is eight and four. Uh, yeah, or seven five. I might say seven five. Now here's the thing, it's just all about close games. They got, they're going to have to win some close games to get where they want. You could say that about about almost any team in the Big Ten right now. Like Nebraska, how's Nebraska going to finish? Well, how do they do in the close games? Because they're going to play in seven or eight. Really, well, and games. and people don't want to hear this, but like. Nebraska had the lead on Michigan in the fourth quarter. They had the lead on Ohio State when yeah. Scott Frost was the coach. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they they were playing with some of these teams, but they didn't finish. They right. they they made the mistakes down the stretch. Well, what is Trev emphasized? What's Matt Rule emphasized? Details, 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 details. That there's a lot of there's Sean. What I've learned is a lot goes into the conversation of how do you win close games. There's a lot. That's a complicated conversation, but details are a big part of it. Um, and quarterback play, frankly, is a big part of it. But there's a lot of coaching in that, too. There's a, It's a broad-based discussion. But but I think a lot of the reason, part of the reason Trev was attracted to a coach like Matt Rules because Rule emphasizes details. Now, you could say, come on, Sip. Every coach emphasizes details. I don't know. I've been around here. There, coaches, some are much better at it than others, right? Um, I covered Osborne and 
Osborne was a master with the details. I covered some other coaches. I would not say we're masters with them. Osborne was always one step ahead. I mean, just the way, you know, he, he like the Orange Bowl against Miami. Miami had more talent than they did. Mm -hmm. Ray Lewis, Warren Sapp. Mm -hmm. But he knew their defense overplayed and slanted hard Yeah, because they wanted to make the big play. So what did he do? Call those fullback traps to Corey Schlesinger. Mm -hmm. One of a national championship calling two fullback trap plays. Yeah, I, you're I mean, right, Sean. That's a good he, example. He just recognized those things. Uh, I want one more thing here in Iowa because this just came out. Um, State Senator Rob Sand, excuse me, State Auditor Rob Sand responds to the firing uh, of Gary Barda, not, or retirement, excuse me. Um, said Gary Barda's departure is a long time coming. The four different lawsuits for discrimination that cost Iowa more than $11 million. Discrimination demands accountability. The University of Iowa should publicly release all terms of his departure. <laughs> there you go. So it, it's this thing is far from over. Yeah, I told you. It's, it's uh, it, 59. I, it doesn't. Yeah, you're right. Those reporters in Iowa have a you know what? I don't know if they're going to have much of a break this weekend. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? One, well, I'm sure Kirk Ferentz does. He has his own PR firm. Yes, he does. So you wonder what the PR firm's cooking up. They, they, they've they've rallied. The troops have rallied. <laughs> they let's, have rallied. All right, let's close it up. Headline number five. We're just going to call this Husker News and Notes. You saw me flipping through the magazines. Simple. It's my favorite time. Memorial Day weekend. College you, football magazines. You. you went to Barnes and Noble. I went to Barnes and Nobles before the show. Got a Lindy's. Got an Athlon. Luke Reimer on the cover and um anthony grant hey i called that so anthony, anthony grant. grant we got a split athlon cover uh who'd they go with here the tight end from minnesota brevin span yeah 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 ford cooper to gene corner from iowa and braylon allen so that's your that's your split uh big 10 cover and then you had the nebraska cover here with luke reimer on lindy so okay um, and the the consensus in both of these kind of what we thought mm -hmm. Both have Nebraska pick fifth in the West, okay, and about going six and six. Yeah, but, but what plain chalk. Yeah, and you know, I think it's worth noting that it's a wide open West. I mean, it's wide, pretty much wide open. Iowa's got the schedule. Mm. Nebraska's got a schedule. Yeah. So I, I, I don't, you know, I think Wisconsin doesn't have the luxury of a schedule. No. That's why I, I have a Tough hard schedule. If Iowa wins the head to head against Wisconsin. They're going to win the West because of the the crossover advantage they have. Mm -hmm. If you go two and one or three and zero oh in your your crossovers, you're going to have a really good chance to win the division. Yeah, that's true. So Nebraska, be back to Nebraska again. I just I just will emphasize it till the end of time. Right now, and and the way the Big Ten is, the way college football is in general, they got to figure out how to. Okay, Sean, let's put it this way: win close games. Minnesota. If Nebraska beats Minnesota, you think they're going to go up there and win by twenty one? No. Do you even think they'll beat Colorado by 21? I don't think so. I think they got to go win a close game. They'd have Colorado. to force a bunch of turnovers. Yeah, if you beat Michigan, it's not going to be by much. If you win at Illinois, it's not going to be by much. Now, you might put it to Northwestern. It's not like Nebraska does all the time. Um, Purdue, maybe you could win that game by, by a 10. At Michigan State, close. Maryland's close. At Wisconsin, close. Iowa, close. It's Sean. It's gonna come down to that. So look, this is what um, Lindy's wrote. Tom Deanhart wrote this for Nebraska. New coach, new hope. This time it's Matt Rule's turn for the good news. 
the bad news, trench play has not been up to snuff for years. Our call, Huskers keep cycling through coach uh, through coaches in search of their first bowl appearance since 2016. Okay. Keep okay. That was that was kind of his cliff notes. Okay. Um, but as far as the all Big Ten teams go, you know the, the there's the three offensive teams right here. Okay. There's not an there's not a Nebraska guy listed first, second, or third team offense right now. Uh, really. And on defense, Quentin Newsom is second team. Um, looking through here right now, uh, Luke Reimer is third team. Brian Buschini is third team. Ty Robinson is third team. So you've got one second team defender, cornerback Quentin Newsom, and then a, a trio of third teamers right now: Ty Robinson, Luke Reimer, Brian Buschini. Uh, but you know Anthony Grant not listed on here. Nobody's it, nobody nobody. From the offenses on the first, second, or third teams? Not on the Lindy's. Okay, I'm going to tell you something, Sean. <laughs> well, I don't need to do this. I do this all the time. You're you're fighting an uphill battle if you don't have all-conference players. How many first-team all-conference players does Michigan have? Offense. Okay, here's Michigan's first-teamers. Michigan, first-teamers. Quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. Running back, Blake Corum. Uh, Michigan off- offensive lineman, Zach Zinter. Senior. Senior offensive lineman, Trevor Keegan. So they have four first-teamers on offense. Uh-huh. Then on defense, D-lineman Chris Jenkins. Um, and then defensive back Will Johnson. So Six first-teamers. Six first-teamers. Versus zero for Nebraska. I mean, if you're going to get back to winning the bit, a conference, that's what you got to have. That's a, that's a, it's, a, it's informative. I mean, we can't – I know I repeat it all the time, but I just don't think you can repeat it enough – in part because I think people forgot here. I, it's been so long that people have forgotten how much the talent discussion has dropped off. We don't even we don't even have Sean. That's all conference. We're t- we need all Nebraska needs all American. Well, and I will say though, Nebraska if needs first, all American. If you're first team all Big Ten, you might be pretty much an all American, first or second team, maybe. I mean, based on the draft data, yeah, yeah. I mean, look at look at these. Le- I mean, the yeah, I have to look at that, but yeah, you have a pretty good shot. You're gonna be in the. You're gonna be in contention for sure. But yeah, look at these running backs: Braylon Allen, Blake Quorum, Travion Henderson, Nick Singleton, mm-hmm. Donovan Edwards, Caleb Johnson from Iowa. Those are your six running backs. It's nice to have a gritty football team, Sean. A tough little gritty team, but that'll get you eight wins if you're if you're if you're really hitting it at hot. If you're hitting on all cylinders. Now, if you have six first team all big 10 players and you're hitting on all cylinders. Now you're in the college football playoff, right? That's, that's the difference. Having no first team, all conference players, having no second team, all conference players, you're a nice little gritty team, but that's not, that's not what, that's not what Nebraska is looking for. That's not what anybody's looking for. That's not what rules looking for. That's not, I'm I'm, going to tell you, that's not what Trev Albers is looking for. So good for Newsom. Good for Newsom to be on that second team, but you need more guys. You your top, guys. your um, oh, this this is the recruiting rankings. I was trying to find the actual um, team rankings here. Let's see, Georgia number one, Michigan number two, Ohio State number three, Alabama number four. So, uh, Lindy's is calling for a basically the same four teams in the playoff again. Now Alabama wasn't in the playoff last year, right? Um, but you know Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State was LSU. They're calling as a playoff team. Florida State six, okay. Washington seven, okay. Yeah. Um, Penn State eight. Got to put Penn State in there. Texas nine. Wow. 
That that that's high. Sark's never won more than nine. USC ten, Clemson eleven, uh, Notre Dame twelve, Tennessee thirteen, K State fourteen. So they they could make uh, Utah's fifteen, TCU sixteen, Oregon State seventeen, Oregon eighteen, Wisconsin nineteen. So you got Wisconsin as the only Big Ten West. Iowa's twenty two. Excuse me. So it's 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 really Iowa, Wisconsin. That your your two ranked teams in this poll. Ole Miss twenty, Oklahoma twenty one, uh, Iowa twenty two, UTSA twenty three. Uh, that's going to be a sexy pick to get that one uh, New Year six. You know, non non um, group of, non power five bid. South Carolina. Then Tulane is twenty five. Okay. So. Um, all right, let's close it out in this final fifth headline as, as we continue. Let's talk some recruiting oh, yes. news and notes. Um, staff is off the road. They're done. They, they used their 168 days over the spring, which equates to about 17 days per assistant coach. Uh, they maximized that EJ Barthol was back at modern day high school again yesterday to check out on Brandon Baker, uh, Nate Frazier. Um, but I think now the focus is that first weekend of June. Yes. Um, Nebraska, we have eight official visitors coming in already. Mm-hmm. I've heard it's actually as many as nine. Uh, but that will be kind of the first big weekend here mm-hmm. for Nebraska, the June 2nd weekend. Uh, June 16th, they've got three coming in. Uh, but then on June 23rd, um, we've already got 14 official visitors on that list. So Nebraska is going to use – roughly half of their allotted official visits over the month of June. And then look at that first weekend, five guys from Texas in that, in that first weekend. That's one thing to look at. Five guys from the state of Texas. Also, you have the quarterback in here, Kamari McClellan. Um, from Pens- I don't know if he's coming. We're, we're oh. fine. I mean, he's, well, he's, he's an, listed. Yeah, he's in. Well, because we haven't been able to get it confirmed that he's not coming. Now. Okay. Um, and the Daniel Kalen thing might have changed that. He was never an official. Okay, so he okay. I'm sorry, Sean. He was paying his own way, and we still have him listed only because it it hasn't been confirmed he's not. Okay, Um, also in-state key in-state player, right? Caleb Pye from uh, three-star offensive lineman from Omaha Central, whose dad played basketball at Creighton. Levon Pye from yep, yeah. Um, But that 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 it catches my eye. That big defensive back weekend. Look how many DBs are coming in. Yep, kind of puts in. To perspective who their top defensive backs are because i think a lot of those targets are coming in this weekend yeah led led by those top two peyton morgan a four-star player from pflugerville texas and mario buford buford four-star player from desoto and you know all the dbs that you look at for them they they can all run and they all have bodies that are developed or can be developed further i mean mm-hmm. I, I think that's a key trend um to play db for evan cooper you better be able to run yeah, play yeah, play DB for about anybody, especially at this level of football. But yeah, they. So there you go, Sean. It's on. I mean, there's these are it's it's going to be an interesting June at the stadium. And those camps will start up when uh, I believe Sunday. So June fourth is the first one because coaches are working now. Yeah, and so when the recruit here's how it's going to work: the recruits will leave Sunday morning. They're going to run a camp Sunday afternoon. Oh boy! And then they're going to run a camp. I want to say m- not Monday because then Matt Rule, then they're going to go do satellite camps on Monday, Tuesday, okay. and they're, they're going to come back to Lincoln and do more camps. Okay. So it, it's going to be a busy opening week of June for Nebraska. 
um, as the coaches will get the weekend off, catch their breath, but they're back at it. Okay. All right. And go, hey, simple, don't steal my magazines. Yeah, I think I'm gonna just gotta, I'm just gonna go buy one. I'm gonna buy that Lindy's. This I might steal your Athlon. A year ago, when we technically weren't working together, mm -hmm. um, you took my mag. You marked them all up with all your scribbles and notes. So don't steal the magazines this year. Did right? I do that? Did yes. I? Are you sure it was me? Oh yeah. <laughs> it became like your little cookbook. I mean, you're writing <laughs> recipes in there and everything. But um, have a good Memorial Day weekend. Sip. Yeah, you too. This was fun, Sean. All right. Well, I hope everybody has a great weekend. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe to us here at HuskerOnline.com. we got a great special as well. $29.99, six months of mm. access to Husker Online. Hope everybody has a great, happy Memorial Day weekend. Thanks for joining us on Husker Online Headlines.